Hey, welcome back to yet another episode of the Terry Summers podcast. What happens when you dream of being a ballerina and you grow up and get to be a ballerina and then there's a left turn and you marry an iconic rock star? Hmm. You're going to get to find out. Every guest I have is super special. I know that you probably have gathered that by now because I rave about them and gush over them. Another thing I notice that I do, which is a really, I promise, genuine thing, is as soon as I start to greet them, or say their name out loud when we're talking to one another, I get like verklempt. I get that little thing in your chest and my nose gets red and my cheeks flush and my eyes water. And it really comes from a place of love. And I'm just crazy about the people in my life. I love people, period. And if you're in my world and I get a chance to know you and live with you and and experience you, it just becomes a love thing in me. And I had that reaction. So I had that reaction when I interviewed my next guest and she's just a powerful person, powerful in the most beautiful kind of way. Like you don't even know what hits you when you are around her but you're being hit. You're being knocked over, kind of like with a feather. You know, she just has that sort of way about her. Her name is Cheryl Cooper, and she's going to share her story so much better than I ever could. But she's married to, and I think that's clear just to say and sort of get out of the way, to this iconic father of shock rock artist, phenomenon named Alice Cooper. And that's huge. I I mean, I can't even really get my mind around that because that kind of stardom really affects your world, I'm going to assume. I'm friends with him, so I know him personally as well. And he is just an awesome human being. But still, he is this huge person. Um, Cheryl is a huge person and her gifts are many. And I really can't wait to celebrate her in this interview. She, um, she's gorgeous. First of all, like when I'm around her, I do, I stare. I don't know that she knows that I'm staring or if I'm just looking interested, I am interested. So hopefully that's really all she's paying attention to because I'm staring at her. She has just wonderful features and she's so poised and I love the way to hear she's so articulate and beautiful diction I just um (laughs) I just I stare at her uh so um I confess that she is uh a wonderful mother um she is a wonderful friend I remember a conversation. Okay, so now I'm getting verklempt again. I remember a conversation after losing my first husband and uh, she and 
Alice, I believe, had been out of town and it was three or four days after. And um, they called me and I remember I was sitting uh, outside a restaurant having lunch with some girlfriends helping to plan my husband's service. And um, they called and the care that they gave me uh, in that conversation, I will not forget. Um, anyway, I didn't expect to go there. I speak off of the top of my head in these intros. So I, uh, I will let this time be about Cheryl, but they are truly beautiful people. And Cheryl is just exquisite. I cannot wait for you to spend time with her and, and me too. I'm in there a little bit. Hold on. We're recording. Can you see the little beeping light? Does it show on your end? It says REC. Is that a good sign? <laughs> it is a good sign. Okay. Oh, I am here with my dear friend, Cheryl Cooper. I just got a little bit, uh, I got a little bit, mm, a little bit saying that. You are just a sweetheart to me and you have been from the day I landed in Arizona. You're one of the uh, people that made me feel at home here and you and your family. And I know that um, there's an intro that goes into this that where I mentioned you are married to Alice Cooper, the Alice Cooper. You are in and of yourself a superstar. And um, I'd love for you to talk about your family and your life right now briefly. But I also want just to spend time talking about you because you bring so much to the table and are so gifted. But just give us a brief update on who you are, your family, you know, those sorts of insights that people probably already know who you are in that way. But just fill us in a little bit. <laughs> Happy to. You know, Alice and I are into our 45th year of marriage. Lord strange, have mercy. <laughs> which is strange since I'm not 45 yet. So that is so weird. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I fell in love hard um, 46 years ago. And people say, you were 19 when you married Alice Cooper? I said, yes, I was. And that was not my plan. Because as we get into talking about what my life is and was like in dance ballerinas are a peculiar breed they have roadmaps they have game plans they're pretty disciplined and i had my life all road mapped out and i wasn't going to be married before i was 36 years old and there's a reason why because okay. i had a little blueprint that said i uh, my desire is to elevate to this status to be in this company to hopefully rank through the corps de ballet to soloist maybe one day principal and Terry, when true love comes to town, you don't have a lot of say about it. <laughs> now, that doesn't mean everything else goes out the window. I still was able to do what I had aspired to do. It just looked a little different. Break that so, down for us. Tell, you, tell me what you mean by that. Uh, as far as it looked a little different? Yes. Well, meaning that I took my classical training mm -hmm. and I morphed it into caricature portrayals, rock dancing, jazz dancing, um, being an actress without really having any training in actress. That's why I watch you so closely, Terry. <laughs> I've learned an awful lot from you. Okay, so I've jacked, I've jacked a few things from you too, but. <laughs> but you, so when you met Alice, you met him in a professional setting because you had auditioned 
you want to briefly tell that? I mean, I know you can get through sure. it faster than I can. No, no, no. I was, um, at one point in my life, I think all of us hit sort of a crossroads. Like, where am I going to go? Where are my interests? Where are my strengths? What's going to happen? So when I was graduating from high school, I had the academic governor's award of excellence for my academics by then California Governor Ronald Reagan. So I was the winner of the governor's scholarship. I had the Bank of America music scholarship for voice. Wow. And I also had a scholarship to a prestigious studio in Hollywood, California. And I wanted to do all three. So I enrolled in college in Azusa, California, pursued music, and then pursued dance for that first year. I thought, I'm just going to really dive in headfirst and see what happens. So I'm coming out of my third class of the day in the studio. Now, mind you, I look like something the cat dragged in. Sweaty, greasy hair. It was up in a bun. If I took the pins out, it would probably stay that way. It was just a bun. Holy jazz pants, sweaty leotard, and I see all these girls getting ready for something. I mean, the false eyelashes are coming out, the makeup, the headbands are matching the leg warmers. And so I innocently said, what's going on? And they all laughed at me. They said, are you the only dancer in LA that doesn't read Variety Magazine or The Hollywood Reporter? Because if you're old enough, like I am, before the internet, that's the only way any dancer knew that there was an audition to be sure, had. They sure. were the, like the trade magazines. I'm living at home with my parents. I'm going to college in Azusa. I'm dancing in LA. No, I don't know what's going on. And they said, Alice Cooper is having an audition. And the concert is looking for four dancers, two male, two female, but it's good pay. It's a year and a half contract and entails a, a world tour, a television special, and a full-length feature film. To which I replied, Alice Cooper, who's she? <laughs> I've heard you tell that before, but I tell you, Cheryl, that cracks me up. But because understand, Terry, from where I come, talk to me about Bach, Rachmaninoff, Schumann, Mahler. <laughs> I'll tell you what opus, cantata, movement, variation. That's my jam. Hey, I knew who the Beatles were, so there's that. But <laughs> That just, it wasn't my world. So I wasn't going to go to this audition. Besides, I told you what I look like. I thought, well, you know, I don't look like these girls. I'm not going to get past square one. And one of my friends said the operative phrase. Don't ever say this to me, by the way. Okay. She said, she said, well, Cheryl, why don't you go for the experience? She said, besides, who says you're going to get it? Oh. Said, oh, you did not. You did not just say that to me. <laughs> and so I went, and there were probably about 2,000 female applicants for it. Gee whiz. And they were all the best of the best. They had come in from New York, from Chicago, uh, Washington. They had flown in for this because at the time, if you remember, this is before MTV. This is before dancers. If you didn't work on a variety show, on television, uh, maybe you could get in a film, but that was short-lived, that maybe right. six weeks. This was a year and a half contract and everybody wanted those two slots. Wow. And I just kind of went on a dare. And uh, when they selected me, I didn't want to take it. Seriously? I thought, well, I've got this scholarship, 
I'm in college, I'm living at home with my parents, I've got my roadmap, I've got my game plan. And God said, I know the plans I have for you, plans to help you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Jeremiah 29, 11. Mm. And I, on that, I went on faith, 18 years old, had no intention of falling in love and resisted it. But there was just no denying that we were made for each other. For just absolutely. I, Alice always says, for every crooked pot, there's a crooked lid. I guess we fit. <laughs> and you sure do. And you, you, um, he asked your father if he could, was it to take you out on a date the first time? Like, what, I mean, what, tell me that story. There's some story. I might be jacking it up, but. No, you know, uh, we started to kind of see each other on the road. Okay. But, you know, remember, I'm my little 18-year-old girl with the retainer in my mouth at night and my Bible and right. pretty much kept to myself. I was the consummate pro. I was where I had to be doing what I was supposed to be doing when I was supposed to be doing it. It was just a consistent thing for me. Sure. And then occasionally we would find each other uh, in the same room, just gravitating toward each other. We found mm -hmm. out both our fathers are pastors. We had similar upbringing in childhood. I think a real friendship begins when you look at a person and you can say, oh, you too? Oh, wow. Yeah. And there's kind of that connection that inextricably linked in this that we had. And I think that we just knew there was no living without each other. Wow. And it's still a problem. And I intend to never remedy it. So <laughs> <laughs> you are the cutest ever. You really Ooh. are. So you went on to dance in his shows. And then do you still join him on stage? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Just last year, we did five continents, 17 countries, and 191 cities. So there is no dust under our feet. No. We come home just to shake out our bags and repack for a different season and a different continent. And to me, although, Terry, I'm biased, my husband has never performed better. He's never sung better. He's never put on a more incredible show. And I love that I can be a helpmate and do what I love to do and help flesh out the visuals as well as the vocals because that's what I'm trained to do. And he doesn't have to leave home. He says, I take home with me. Oh, gosh. You know, I saw you guys. Um, you got me and some folks that I was touring with in Oklahoma City when you were there. That was, I think, two thousand it was a long time ago um but you guys got us in and great hosts to us they were thrilled but you know i have to say he tore it up you both oh, did. Yeah. i mean so i i completely agree with you um it was and the and the the much younger people that i was with that night all gentlemen from the tour I was on, um, they just said, 
this is amazing. This is so amazing. So the guy can put on a show and you, I don't know, you know, one of the reasons that I was so drawn other than the fact I love you. Well, and I, I, I'm glad you guys travel and go as much as you do, but I also have a smidge of resentment because I, it makes it really difficult to get to see you face to face. Um, but, um, and you know, I'm kidding when I say that, but I would love to see more of you. However, I am, I, I am just amazed at your giftedness. I mean, your husband, we got that. You are, um, you, you're just beautiful, but you move with such grace. And I want to break down the idea of being a dancer. I can't remember exactly what you said. We did a little, you did a little fun video with me, just a little fun thing for my website where you um, were going to try and teach me a few moves as a ballerina. And um, as I was just sharing with you before we started, the very few moves that you showed me had me out of breath. And I do have many reasons why I could be out of breath, but those moves, so there, a light bulb went on, on the, um, the amazing call on your body that being a ballerina asks of you. And you seem to do it effortlessly. <laughs> So, so, okay, so that might, so the laugh, but, and I don't mean to, but that's what it looks like. And can you tell me a little bit about your training? Can you break down? You said something, I got off track for a second. Uh, what? I got off track? Yeah. What? Yeah, what? No, I, you had said something in our little video. You said music, dance begins where music ends. Is that what you said? What, would you recall oh. the phrase? I do recall that. I, I use it frequently because I fully believe it. And it goes like this. Dance begins where music leads off. It is the highest form of artistic expression. That's it. Now, I just recently saw, re looked at that video again, and I thought that was the hook in my jaw, my cheek. I bit the bait on that because it intrigues me. Break that down for us, for me. What, why do you say that? I think where music will elevate the soul to its zenith, there's something about the body participating in that music and going beyond it. It's okay. almost transient. It's almost cathartic. It's expression with your soul. And yet you don't leave training behind. They're all building blocks that you form precept upon precept, strength upon strength, flexibility upon flexibility, and somehow tie those all together that when you execute those steps, you don't think about it. It's almost rote memory. Then you can go beyond that. But if you don't have that, you've heard you ain't got a leg to stand on? Yes. That's, that's it. Um, so then when I say it seems effortless, I know that it's not based on what you said, but my receiving that as, and seeing it move so, so smoothly, there is, um, there's reason behind it, precept upon precept. So you have a lot of training or you have training or you have, can you share with us what has made you the dancer that you are? I think if you get a teacher who is both technically minded and artistically encouraging that makes the full dancer 
I have seen dancers that are trained pristinely. I mean, they are just, they're more flexible than I. Their uh, leaps are higher. Their turns, they can do multiple upon multiple turns. And yet they leave me cold. It's clinical. It's executed with no, it just doesn't grab you. Um, I don't know too much about art, but the little that I know, sometimes I know why what grabs me grabs me. Other times, I don't know why. It just reaches out, grabs me by the lapels and pulls me in. And that's what dance has to do with you. It's got to pull you in. And that there's something about dancing beyond yourself. It's the hardest thing for me to do is to teach a dancer transitions, how to transition from one step to the other, because it's all about grace and control. Otherwise, you're doing tricks like a pony. Ah. It's choppy, it's sharp, it has no connectivity, it has no fluid fluidity. Dance has to have, like music, dynamics. Mm. You've got to have staccato movements, legato movements. There has to be slow control and there has to be joie de vivre. There has to be joy with abandon. But that's the artist compiling that together in either making a scene or doing a move. Now, just to back up a second, you said that you were able to take your um, plan and modify it in that you became an really an actress, an actor on stage, creating characters. How were you able to take this training as a ballerina and let it morph into that? Because you really are quite vibrant on stage. Your presence in the roles that, that you play with Alice on stage are, are captivating. And they're, when you show up, you, you pay attention, not just because you're beautiful, that's one part too, but um, how did you use that? Was there, can you explain that? I won't, I won't try to pick too much with my question. Yeah, well, as far as transitioning, ballet has never left me. You know, there were times when I wasn't touring where I would be working at uh, CBS on different uh, variety shows. If you're old enough to remember The Captain and Tennille, um, you remember that? Someone told me about it. No, yes, I am. Uh -huh. <laughs> I, I thought I could lie. I, can, I can't lie. No, I remember Captain Snape. Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, they, they had a hit. They had a hit in the 70s called Muskrat Love. Do you remember that song? <laughs> yeah. Yes, I was going to break out into it, but I stopped myself. Okay. Uh, blackmail alert. I was Muskrat Susie on the variety show. Oh, you were not. Oh, I was too. And I whirled and I twirled and I tangoed. <laughs> oh my gosh, I love this. So uh, yes, I was dancing on the cap. I was superimposed into a tiny dollhouse with um, the other guy that was Muskrat Sam. Okay. Now mind you, I thought, how many years of ballet to do this? <laughs> and yet they auditioned for this role and we were selected. But I also did a classical version of Swan Lake mm. on point with a white tutu on the Red Fox special. Do you remember Red Fox? Yes, absolutely. Okay, so he was supposed to be narrating Swan Lake. And at the end of his narration at the podium, he had a breakaway tuxedo, ripped it off and was in a pair of Long John Dr. Dentons and <laughs> proceeded to do a pas de deux with me. And I couldn't break character. I did it straight on point, the whole thing. 
and I mean, he just destroyed it, and it was wonderful. Oh but that's God. what I—that's what I mean when I say it looked a little different. Yes, I did I what it. I wanted to do. I get it. Um, I did a lot of Tony Orlando and Dawn, if you remember that. That's yeah, these are all in my little window. My, I love it. Yes. So you know this, the '70s variety show, the occasional musical that would come through LA. In fact, I was in the original cast of Zoot Suit. No way. Know about yes. Zoot Suit? El Pachuco. Oh my and goodness! We, uh, we performed at the Mark Taper Forum at the Music yes. Center downtown Los Angeles, mm -hmm. and it had a long run. It was extremely successful. Edward James Olmos, who is quite an accomplished actor that went on to do Miami Vice and many other things, yes. he was the lead, and uh, I was the only white girl in the play, so they had to make me look Hispanic. Really? And I played a character called Chula, and uh, that was amazing. So, I mean, like I said, it looked a little different. I danced, I could sing, I could act, and I just kept moving forward, trying new things. But with a supportive husband like Alice, he would encourage me, never would try to hold me back or say, oh, you shouldn't do this because. Mm -hmm. But I did make the decision at one point, by the time we had three children in three different schools, I wasn't going anywhere. Got it. Nor did I want to, because that's a calling, which I believe a higher calling. and I poured my life into my kids happily gladly because i was kind of the only single parent with a husband i knew as my husband didn't have a nine to five right he was always on the road but his heart was always at home so now that we can be together at this season of our lives and not have to leave each other it's a good thing such a, a real thing. Yeah. you know um i'm gonna i'm gonna take us back to my first wedding, my first marriage, and Jim, um, as I've shared on this podcast, passed away, you know, I think it's been 11 years ago now, but you were one of my bridesmaids in my first wedding. And yes, when you I, go, was. I know, and gorgeous. And when I, when I go back and watch it, now this is saying nothing about any of the other women. I had 10 bridesmaids, so you were one of, uh, one of 10, and so there's nine others out there, but and all lovely in their own right. However, I will say this, and I know no one will argue with me. When you watch the video, um, there was a camera that was shooting from up above in the right uh, uh, corner of the little chapel that we got married in. And you don't have to look for very long to notice how much you stand out. And here is what I noticed. There is a femininity that you exude that is like second to none. Now, I tell myself, well, she's a ballerina. She's walking like that because she's a ballerina. But I know it's more than that. And I don't know whether the femininity feeds the ballerina or the ballerina feeds the femininity. Um, how does being the dancer that you are, um, comment on your life and vice versa you really exude a beauty and a femininity that i have not seen and always since i since i've met you i just don't see in everyone and i know there's lovely lovely women out there i know that and i'm not friends with every woman on the planet so i can't speak to it 
But I can see that in this season in my life, as I'm kind of trying in my own way, Cheryl, to uh, scratch at surfaces I haven't scratched at before, um, carrying lots of extra weight, I think covered up things before I could even realize it was covering up things. And I'm not saying that you can't be feminine and heavy, so don't send me any emails, people. But um, for me, I know that. So as I'm trying to pull away some things, even in the growing of my hair, there's some method to my madness in trying to tap into something that I'd never tapped into regarding my hair. But I just have this feeling that that rests in you and it mer what does being a ballerina do to you being a woman, a female? Does that, does that make sense what I'm asking? Yes, yes. Um, it, it's a little bit of a dichotomy in that although it's grace sometimes is equated with femininity. It's an all-out athletic prowess, hunger, desire. Um, it, um, you gotta want it. Do you know what I mean? And, and I think that, um, when, when you train, when you train like I did for seven hours a day, committing to something, it almost gets in your DNA. Okay. People say, oh, you have nice posture. You know, I, I should stand up straight. Uh, you know, do you have to think about standing up straight? No, because that's just the way I walk. You know, and. And is that the way you always walked? Or is, or do you think being, your training has, like you said, yeah, gotten into your DNA? I think it's. I think it's training because I think, and this applies to a lot in life, either when you don't do it or when you don't walk it or when you don't say it, it feels wrong. Hmm. Does that make sense? In, in other words, again. when you don't do it or when you don't walk it or when you don't say it, it feels wrong. It feels wrong. If you're used to speaking a certain way, if you're, if you're used to being a gracious person, it's not in your makeup to be acerbic or to lose your temper. People can say, well, that's just not you. Well, I've decided that's not going to be me. I can choose the way I react. Um, I've chosen the way I want to carry myself, not to be haughty or proud, but, you know, I think if, if your body is the temple of the Lord, I, I should take maybe better attention to feed it well, to work it well, to keep it strong and flexible. Am I obsessed with it? No, but it's part of my day. If I don't do it, I miss it. That's what I'm saying. If I don't do it, if I, and life can shape shift. Look where we are right now in this season, what it looks like. Mm -hmm. A lot of people I know are not doing very well. They're folding. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I'm thinking, where does your hope lie? Where's your vision? What do you trust in? And I'm, I'm finding a lot of those pillars are crumbling for people because they're trusting in the wrong things. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, if you don't do it, walk it, say it, and you're, it's part of your DNA and your makeup, it doesn't feel right. So when you say you have to choose it, um, if it, that, so that there could still be, um, and I'm a little bit tongue in cheek, there could still hope, be hope for me yet, right, Cheryl? I can still get a tutu on. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm joking, but you, do you get what I mean? Like, I, I would love to know 
that part of myself that I've never tapped into. I'm not saying I, I want to be a ballerina, though I would love to have a class with just you, no cameras, maybe a camera for a short bit, just because um, I do love to poke fun at myself. Um, and we have to admit it would be funny, me in a tutu at, at any stage of my life. But um, I would love to have a class with you um, because I think that there's, like when you say like it involves intense strength that really is like honoring all the possibilities of a body and i know for a fact that i have not honored that i mean i don't have any qualms addressing it or i'm not super sensitive about it i just haven't honored it what would you do with me if we took a class if you did if you were my teacher if i were your teacher and you know what you're dealing with right here and now oh yeah oh yeah i would start you with floor work because the floor doesn't let you cheat. What do you mean by floor? Floor, I would have you lying on the floor. Oh, okay. Oh, I, I like that. You. Lying on oh, the yeah, floor. I can thing. do that. I can do that. <laughs> Give me a mat. I'm good. But, but think about it. it. You're aligned on the floor. If I can get you aligned on the floor and get you to remember how that feels, you should feel the same way when you're erect and on your feet. If you think about it, okay. if you're on the floor and your shoulders are back and relaxed and down, if the small of your back is lengthened, if your legs, you know, are stretched, if your neck is long, see if you can't recreate that when you stand up. Now okay. I have, I would have you do a series of exercises while lying prone on the floor, not difficult, but more, uh, feeling how you feel your core, how you feel your legs move and then stand up. And then I would give you bar exercises i wouldn't even take you to the middle of the room for six weeks seriously because oh yeah th because that's how you build precept upon precept building block by building block brick by brick stone by stone and then you have a building so i think we need to do this i don't know what your schedule is like and i don't know where and when it could happen but i i think about you um Really, because you have been iconic in my mind um, in the way, like I'm glad other people have asked you it, about your posture because you have beautiful posture. And so when I try to remind myself of posture, I do think of you. So you come to my mind so much. And that wedding video, I mean, you just stand out. So it is something very intentional that must be going on with you because there were nine other women who didn't necessarily necessarily i mean at varying stages but i know that sometimes just because of the extra weight that i carry i feel like i waddle you know like i'm walking on the outsides and when i concentrate and i move like kind of put energy i don't know if this will make sense to you i'm sure it will you being a dancer i don't know what the heck i'm talking about but when i put energy like right in the center of my hips i guess you know yeah. then i yeah. feel my I, it shifts and I feel my hips shift and swing from side to side, yet my body stays straight. So the waddle goes away. So there seems like I'm at least tapping into a core of sorts. Does that make sense to you what I'm saying? You have just come light years without me teaching you anything. Yes, because it all emanates from that core, from that pelvis. That's where the movement starts. That's where the alignment happens. That's where the strength is right there wow you got it, girl. that's it that's um, it you have 
two daughters and a son, and you have um, grandchildren. We can talk about those in a minute because I don't want to leave without celebrating fun things. But um, how have you, um, how do I want to word this? Because I know you've left an impression on your daughters. They both carry you with them. I see it in them. But how have you intentionally um, raised them to be the young women that they are today? What have you done intentionally for them as young women? I have intentionally made sure that they have grown up in the church. That's been my big intention, that they learn from an early age the truth, and then when they're old, they will not depart from that. That is a promise made to me in Scripture. Now, as an adult, they, can, they have to work out their own faith. They have to experience it, and that's their own faith journey. But as a mother, I'm pleased to say that my daughters, as well as my son, are making that faith journey mm -hmm. and have commitments. Mm -hmm. And so, number one, that's where I'm most pleased and how I've operated intentionally. Number two, both, I would say both our daughters and, of course, our son have seen parents in action. They've not just seen parents that say, oh, uh, do this, and uh, yeah, can you do that? They've seen us serve. They've seen both of us roll up our sleeves and get our hands dirty and get into it and sweat and contribute. And sometimes it's verbally, sometimes it's physically, sometimes we're on our hands and knees scrubbing. But they see work and service in action. Got so it. that's another intentional thing. And also that this life that we have is not normal. And so if I had taught, if I were to have taught them anything successfully, I think it's the attitude of gratitude mm. because it goes something like this. Wow, kids, how many families get to go to McDonald's not one time, but two times in this week? Aren't we fortunate? Oh, yes, mommy. Thank you. It's so, that was so cool. Thank you. Thank you so much. And then as they get older, it would translate to, wow, how many families have the privilege of going back and saying hi to our friends, the Rolling Stones? Oh, yeah, mommy, that's so cool, you know. And so it's the attitude of gratitude, never taking anything for granted, not expecting, but looking to serve, mm. choosing joy, oh. and walking with a humble attitude. Wow. That's that's some, that sums you guys up so much. Um, looking to serve, choosing joy, and having a humble attitude. Those three words really so clearly express who you are and who you've been to me. And I've seen it lived out and Alice as well. And I didn't mean to leave Dash out of the equation, your son. I, I know I was just in a mode of, of talking about um, the feminine and, and girls and women. But mm -hmm. Dash is is uh, as a, all your children are, but lovely. Dash is just a lovely young man, and he is a daddy now. He is. Three boys, five-year-old twin boys, Falcon and Riot. You heard right, R-I-O-T. Yes. Falcon J, Riot Vincent, and Rexington King Cooper will be two years old next month. Oh, or this wow. month, actually. Wow, it's coming up. Seriously. So I'm a Grammy three times over to grandsons, and our first granddaughter is due via Sonora and Diego 
in 24 days. And Sonora is your youngest. So there's Calico is mm -hmm. your, uh, was your firstborn and yep. then Dashiell and then Sonora Rose. Yes. Yes. All the delights of my heart. And I know we're going to come to a close here soon, but you have such wisdom and also such grace in the way that you share and express your heart. I know that during this time that we're in, um, the world is shaken. Um, there's so much fear and anxiety and uh, loss going on. Um, the pandemic has rocked our world and, and then also challenges with um, uh, addressing systemic racism that, that are at the heights again and needing to be addressed and looked at. All of that is changing and has changed the world that we live in right now. What can you leave us with from your heart? Because you are such a, um, such a great speaker and uh, I know where your heart rests and there's a calmness and a peace to you that passes all understanding that I get from you. So I would just love for you to share before we say um, goodbye for today. I'd be happy to. Um, I'm going to leave you with, in whatever situation that you can be thankful for has lost its power to defeat you. I'm gonna say that again. In whatever situation you can be thankful for has lost its power to defeat you. Now this dovetails with a scripture, in all things give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Notice it does not say be thankful for. Because I am not thankful for a lot of things that are happening right now, believe right. me. Right. But I have learned that in the midst of adversity, to say to God, thank you in the situation because I can't see the beginning from the end and the end from the beginning like you can. I don't see the whole tapestry. I don't have the whole picture, but I trust that you do. So in the situation, I'm going to give thanks. And I would also say, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding in all your ways. Acknowledge him and he will direct your path. That's what we need right now, direction. In this time of confusion and uncertainty, we need direction. Miss Cheryl, I love you. I love you too. <laughs> and I, I'm serious about as long as you guys are in town or when you're in town or whatever, we can talk about that after I stop the recording. So don't go away. I'm, when I stop it, hang on. Um, but uh, I would love to have a time with you for myself. And I wouldn't mind sharing it on video so people could watch. But for my own self, I would love to have a time with you on the floor. And then I could take that away and work with it. But I really, really would. I really would. There you go. Happy to do it. Um, you we'll you can say when and where, when that time is right, and we'll do it. Absolutely. Well, I love you. Thank you for being here with us today. I'm going to end the recording and give you a personal goodbye and uh, until we meet again. Okay, dear? Until we meet again. Love you, darling. Love you. Well, there you have it. A, a lovely, lovely day with Cheryl.
And we're going to, I'm following up with her. She's going to, I think she's going to, well, she's going to scare me. She is going to work me over. She um, uh, is going to help me with some of my ambitions regarding myself and my person. And there's no better hands that I could place myself in. I can't wait for that. You're going to hear about it. You might even get to see it. Watch it. Watch it and laugh. So, hey, y'all, another great podcast in the books, I think. I hope you do. And if you do, will you please um, pass that along by subscribing so that you can be informed of all the episodes and then also rate, if you would, and uh, share. I think that would be fabulous. You are my audience, and I love you. Bye. (laughs) Ha, ha, ha.